So this morning, uh, we're going to be talking on the topic, the power of praise. Um, Christians, especially in India, are rightly identified with the phrase, praise the Lord. Um, even if you're not, if you have any context of Christianity, any vague context of Christianity, this is probably familiar to you. You know, uh, praise the Lord brother, praise the Lord sister, it is replaced, hi, hello, uh, people just say it. I studied in a Christian Catholic school um, and I still very clearly remember, it was in my sixth grade, uh, my super pious, holy uh, history teacher, history civics teacher uh, entered the class and you know like how in school we all used to do this as soon as the teacher enters good morning ma'am everyone is on the same tune and we all used to do that right and she walks in we do that and then she says okay from today you're not gonna say this you're gonna say praise the lord ma'am i was probably one of the two christian guys in my class and none of them knew what is this what she meant and you could just imagine what happened as I very like I disappeared into the thin air of my awkwardness and, uh, and not just then I mean even now being a Christian all these years for me praise and worship praise means the first two fast songs that we do like the one where we dance and clap and uh, I know that there's a lot of baggage that comes along with this word praise this morning, can we leave that all aside? Can we break it down? Let's look at the Bible and see what it means and why should we do this? Why should we praise the Lord? And let's, let's look at it with fresh eyes in the Bible. We're going to be looking at Psalm 30. Um, it's, this is the chapter. It's from the book of Psalms. Uh, it's, it's a collection of wonderful songs, uh, most of them, more than half of them written uh, by this guy called David, who is a brilliant singer-songwriter, would have topped the charts every year if he lived today. And he's the author of this psalm. He's a brilliant guy, he was a great king, uh, as usual he was a brilliant musician, he was an amazing warrior, he had a lot of fans even before he became the king. Um, Jesus Christ came from his lineage. And uh, this, this brilliant guy, uh, who was also, the Bible describes him as man after God's own heart, this brilliant guy also messes up. And we'll see more of that in this talk. Uh, let me give you uh, the context of this psalm as to when it was written is sort of unclear. But we're going to be looking at uh, incident in David's life which resonates very closely with this psalm. Is that okay? Let's dive into this chapter and read it together. I'll read it for you. I will extol you, Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my force rejoice over me. O Lord my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, 
O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall, never, I shall not be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountains stand strong. You hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my life? If I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. After reciting that national anthem, it's so good to see how the psalm resonates so well uh, with that. Let me just pray before we start the talk this morning. Lord Jesus, in the light of all that you've done for us, our hearts are here to praise you. Uh, this morning, each of us are at a different place uh, with different needs. Uh, and, and the craving of our heart, the deep desire of our heart, uh, no matter what it is, can be met only in you, Jesus. And that is why we are here. Speak to us. Speak to us from your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Here's the framework for the talk this morning. The first is praise in prosperity. The second is praise in pain. And the third is the ultimate encouragement to praise. Is that okay? Praise in prosperity, praise in pain, and the ultimate encouragement to praise. First, praise and prosperity. Throughout the psalm, David is multiple times he's saying, praise God. He's welcoming people to praise God. In fact, he mentions the word praise four times in these verses. But at one place, he admits that he forgets and rather ignores to do so. Let's look at where that is. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. David enjoyed the Lord's favor a lot. Uh, he became really prosperous at a very young age. If he lived today, he would have probably topped the Forbes 40 under 40. Uh, the, he would have topped that Times most influential people in the world list and all those kinds of lists. And uh, let me just walk you through his phenomenal journey in just two minutes. You can see that journey if you want to know. It's in the, in the book of 2 Samuel, the first half of it. Right at a very young age, while Israel, uh, his country was in trouble, uh, and Israel, the Israelite army was trembling to face this nine-foot giant, Philist, uh, giant with his Philistine army. As a teenager, enabled by God, he just walks up to him with a sling and a stone in his hand, and he kills him. And that begins his journey. He was the best musician in the country. Uh, so much so that the king had him for his personal musician. 
then he grew as a warrior. He won many battles. Uh, and, and people would say this of him. Of the king, they would say, Saul killed thousands. But of David, who was a warrior in the army, they would say, of David, David killed tens of thousands. Clearly, even as not a king, he had more fans. Next, he became the king and there was no end to his success. He won so many battles for the country. At that time, the nation was divided into 12 tribes and all the representatives from these 12 tribes came to him and said, you rule us, you be our king. What success. So in David, he consolidated these 12 tribes and he brought them to one nation. Imagine what it would have looked like. It is a true top of the world experience, real domination. And, and he was there, he was living it. It was at this place when he was enjoying prosperity, things start to go downhill. He lays his eye on this beautiful married woman called Bathsheba and he lusts after her and he sleeps with her and her husband was one of the officials in his own army so uh, he gets him he has him killed in in a way to cover it up let me ask us one question what do you think suddenly changed what do you think happened in this major fall was it one moment of sudden weakness that overnight he saw and he fell into deep sin from David's own words, we can see that in my prosperity, in his prosperity, he said, I shall never be moved. He, he looked at himself. Think with me for a moment. The last time you found yourself in a terrible place where you really messed up, where do you think the seed of that sin was planted in our hearts? I'm willing to bet more often than not, as artists, professionals, and entrepreneurs, the seed of sin is planted in our prosperity and not pain. The recent Me Too movement, that campaign, is a testimony to this. The number of successful, prosperous celebrities who are called out for their mess and overnight either lost their jobs or dignity and everything is, 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 was alarming. Every day we would wake up uh, with the hashtag me too and we would think, oh, you too. <laughs> it, it was crazy those days. This leads me to ask a very simple question. Where is the seed of sin planted? Is it in our prosperity or in our pain? And I'm willing to bet as artists, successful, articulate people, it is in our prosperity. David said, look at his heart posture here. Look at his heart posture. He says, as for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. Forget praising God. He's looking at himself and he's praising himself. I shall never be moved. What is our heart's posture in our prosperity? Are we just looking to God and praising Him? God, it is you. It is not me. It is you. Or are we actually looking at praise for our prosperity from our colleagues, from, from our friends? Uh, if, I, if I have a great sermon on Sunday, I, I come back waiting for good feedback, for praise. That's me. Are we looking at Jesus 
to attribute all praise in our prosperity. Let's look at David's beautiful prayer at the end of the psalm. He says, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. That my glory may sing your praise. Are we letting our glory sing the praise of our Savior? The second thing I want to do is talk about praise in pain. But before that, allow me to take a slight detour. And I'm sure this will help us. It will come as an encouragement. Let's look at David's rhythm in this psalm. I think it will be very helpful to see how his spiritual journey is in this psalm. Traditionally, when we think of spiritual growth, the picture that comes to our mind is growing, just growing in holiness. Grow, grow, grow to a place where uh, we are just praising him. All our sins are going. There's no more need, need to repent. We are just growing. It's a steady upward growth. But David, who is known as a man after God's own heart, he depicts a very different kind of journey. Let's just have a look. He starts off the psalm he see, at a low point. He says he, he, he found himself in a place called Sheol, which literally means hell. And God saved him from there. So he starts on a low. Then from verses 1 to 5, he praises God for saving him from there. He's enjoying his goodness. He goes on a high. Then verses 6 to 10, I put up a couple of verses there. He talks about forgetting God in his prosperity. And he's pleading for, he's pleading for mercy. He's saying, what profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? He's, he's at rock bottom. And then he ends the psalm on a high, talking about, he's, he's, he's just thanking God for rescuing him. And he's saying, you turn my mourning into dancing. I will praise you and thank you forever. If I just have to plot this on a graph, this is how it will look. Does this graph depict a true journey of ours? Some days we wake up and we are enjoying Jesus. We are like, yes, this is the moment. Some days we wake up and we're like, oh my God, <laughs> my life is a mess. How can God love me? I am doomed. Hence, one season we are like, yes, we are enjoying Jesus. Look at our own journey in the last one year. I'm pretty sure there are seasons where we just enjoyed Sunday service. We are like, we're going to be there every Sunday. Let's do this gap group. Yes, I'm enjoying Jesus. And for a season, like, I can't do this. I need my space. I am so messed up right now. This is normal. If you looked at this and said, there's no hope for me. I'm always going to go up and down, up and down, up and down. This is normal. This is man after God's own heart. And if you look at the entire Psalms in context, there are so many Psalms where he's just, just lamenting. He's looking at his own soul. Soul, why are you so downcast? And some Psalms, some Psalms he's like, God, you are awesome. You are my rock. You are my redeemer. You are this, you are that. Entire, if you put a graph on the book of Psalms, it looks like this. This morning, God is saying spiritual growth, probably spiritual growth is not defined by a steady upward path, but by our response to an unsteady path. What did David do in, when he was in pain, when he was 
rock bottom. Let's look at what he writes in the psalm. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? I mean, look at this guy. He's at rock bottom, and he's talking about praising God. Will the dust praise you? Isn't that crazy? The last thing on our mind is, God, I praise you. Let's just look at a snippet from his own life when he was caught in this sin with Bathsheba and, and uh, this new baby out of wedlock with Bathsheba comes out. God actually says, I'm punishing you and I'm going to take the life of your baby. And David just moans and laments and prays and pleads with God. And when he gets to know that the baby is dead, he this is what it said. Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself, changed his clothes, and he went to the house of the Lord and he worshipped. This seems crazy, right? I mean, what on earth is happening here? Imagine with me, you're in David's place. You committed this horrible sin. You detest yourself for it. And God punishes you by taking the life of the baby you just gave birth to. I mean, can it get worse? The, I'm pretty sure this is rock bottom. David is at rock bottom here. If you're an explorer and follower, you must be wondering, how is this fair? I'm going to address that in a little while. How is it fair for the baby? But the even crazier thing is David is finding himself worshipping, praising God in the midst of all of this. You and I are not the only ones to find this crazy. Look at what David's officials themselves say. Then his servant said to him, What is this thing that you have done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive. But when the child died, you arose and ate food. This is where David provides an answer in the psalm. And he provides the ultimate encouragement to praise he says sing praises to the lord O you saints and give thanks to his holy name for his anger is but for a moment and his favor is for a lifetime weeping may tarry for the night but joy comes with the morning is is david displaying some kind of mad religious fan fanaticism is he psyching himself to just praise and worship god here is he just doing this without a reason? No. David provides a reason. And this is what he replies to his officials. He says, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who knows? Who knows whether the Lord will be gracious to me and that child may live. But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he will not return to me the answer for david rejoicing and praising god and worshiping god at his deepest point is right here in this verse he says i shall go to him but he will not return to me david worshiped god because he rightly believed death is not the end 
he believed that though his child won't come to him now, he will go to him. He will spend an eternity with him. And as, as an explorer, if you wondered that taking the life of this innocent child is inhuman and an act of hate, it would have been if life ended at death. But for the children of God, David rightly believes Life doesn't end in death on earth. We're going to be more alive than ever after death. And David believes that he will go to this child. On, on this basis, he worships. He's able to praise in the rock bottom moment. The basis of this hope. What is the basis of this hope? We see that in this very verse. For his anger is but for a moment and his favor is for a lifetime. We can praise and even at our worst because Christ Jesus came and breathed fresh life into these verses. Jesus, the perfect son of God, became man and lived this perfect life without any hint of sin, which David and we ought to have lived. And he said, I am going to face this wrath and anger of God on behalf of all mankind. I will give my life. Why is death the only solution? Why? You and I know how injustice feels. Just a while back when we read that David's innocent newborn faced death for his sin, we all felt anger in our hearts. Our hearts cried for justice. Why that innocent child? Imagine if we in our own standard of judgment cried for so much justice, a holy and perfect God would demand that a small lie would be punished with death. And so, Jesus offered his life. This is the truth, my friends. We all deserve to be damned. We all deserve to be doomed. Jesus, the only God, stood in the gap to take our punishment. On the cross, God, the Father, punished him. God's Anger was satisfied in a moment when Jesus, the perfect son, drank the cup of his wrath so that we, forgiven sons and daughters, can enjoy his favor for a lifetime and beyond. All the favor that Jesus earned with his perfect life, we get to enjoy that favor when we believe in Jesus. This is the hope in Jesus. This is why we can praise in pain. This is why we need to praise in prosperity. He is the only reason why praising in mourning also makes sense. We can praise Jesus even in the morning because in him we have the hope of the morning. Allow me to share a story from my own life. A couple of years back, I had a friend named Rohit. 
he was big in the event management business uh, in the city, and he uh, he moved out of Wisag for a bigger job, bigger. A company in Hyderabad. He was a great people person. Uh, everyone loved him. He was a couple of years older to me, but we shared a lot of good moments. I learned a lot from him. When he moved to Hyderabad, he was doing amazingly well. Uh, he was part of this church. He was just loving what the church was doing, and he felt a deep call in him to uh, to actually help the church even better. So he w- went up to his pastor. His pastor saw him and he said, I want to serve you even better. I want to do this full time. And the pastor was excited for this. And he, they were talking about having him on board as an assistant pastor. Uh, at, at about this time, he fell in love with this girl. They got engaged. They were going to get married. Everything was going really well. Uh, one fine day, he and his fiance went to the church they were wanting to get married in. They booked that place and on their way back, she was riding the bike and because of rain, a huge branch of tree was loose and it was falling, she was riding, she didn't notice uh, Rohit did. So to cover her, he went on top of her and the branch fell on him. She succumbed major injuries but he struggled with his life and he died on the spot. When we got to know this, I was shell-shocked. I had so many questions. I was like, God, why? He's doing so well spiritually. He wants to serve you. He's, he's met this girl. They've just booked their venue for their wedding. Why? All of this doesn't make sense. My friends and I struggled in that season to believe that God is good. Probably we've had these moments. With all these questions in, this, in my mind, the first balm of healing touched me in the burial service. With his body in this coffin, we sang songs of praise. I very well remember the words of this song. I'm pretty sure people know. Blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me, when the world's all as it should be. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name in prosperity. Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering. Though there's pain in the offering, Blessed be your name. I stood there crying and weeping when the words of this song came to life while we were praising in our pain. Hope was birthed in my heart. I found my heart worshipping. It didn't make sense in my mind, but my heart knew that there is hope and it made sense to praise and worship in that moment. What is the power of praise? Praising God births humility in our prosperity and it births hope in our pain. It births humility in our prosperity and it births hope in our pain. And if you're an explorer of Jesus this morning, if you're wondering, uh, I'm pretty sure life is hard, especially living in Bombay. Uh, I'm pretty sure we've all experienced uh, Probably it's our career that is not going well. Probably it's a toxic relationship that we are struggling with. Uh, probably you're j- everything is going well, but there's this deep sense of meaninglessness in your heart. Allow me to invite you to look at people sitting around you as followers of Jesus. We're all the same. We're, we're facing what you're facing. But even through this, 
people here, we gather to praise and worship. And we are not psyching ourselves. These are intelligent, articulate people like you. Why are we able to do this? It's because of Jesus. If you find this strange, and if you find your heart wanting this this morning, would you try Jesus? If you're a follower of Jesus, as followers of Jesus, have we taken the power of praise lightly? Have we, have we uh, come to this sort of familiarity with this word praise that we lost out on the meaning of this? How have we struggled to praise God lately? What's our response during prosperity? What's our response been? Are we like David saying, I shall never be moved? I won't be moved. Or are we finding ourselves praising God? God, it's you, you alone, not me, not me. Are we able to praise God in moments when we find it hard? When, when we're going through some really depressing seasons? Are we struggling to praise God then? Let's look at Jesus this morning. Let's look at Jesus this morning.